Welcome to Heart, Hustle, and Humor, a show for dedicated, hardworking, fun entrepreneurs and business owners who want to build a business bigger than their own satisfaction. We all know heart got you started, hustle made it happen, and humor got you through it. This is the only place you can get inspired and motivated by my guests who are using the trifecta of heart, hustle, and humor in their business. It's time to dream higher. Today's episode is brought to you by Kaleidoscope Media Services. Kaleidoscope Media Services helps professionals scale their business by adding digital products for success. I'm your host, Dr. T. Welcome to another episode of Heart, Hustle, and Humor. I'm your host, Dr. T, and I have brought in studio Ron Embach. Now, for those of you who have even considered working with someone who helps you with government contractors, Ron is the guy. Ron is the president of the Center for Business Innovation and the executive director of the International Association of U.S. Government Contractors. He and his business partner, Chip Ellis, lead a talented team. I love the fact that he calls out that his team is talented. We love that. And they provide coaching, consulting, and training to small businesses who want to thrive with federal contracts. In fact, Ron has spent the past 30 plus years assisting small businesses, high net worth individuals, nonprofits, and large companies. Ron, welcome to the studio today. Thank you so much, Teresa. I mean, and I didn't know I could call you Dr. T. I actually like that. I might call you that. <laughs> yeah, call um, me Dr. T. <laughs> I like Dr. T. That's cool. No, thank you so much. I've been looking forward to this. I mean, it, it, I knew it was going to be a lot of fun, and I'm really looking forward to the next uh, however long we talk. We can yeah. talk longer, I'm sure, than your show. But we'll, we'll Of course we will, because that's part of the fun, right? Right, right. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and, and you know, the great thing about our company over at Clash Community Services is we get to meet all kinds of great people. And I know you've met my business partner, Laura Neubauer, and, and she introduced you to me. And, and now we just, we start building these great relationships. And I think, you know, you've been in this industry for a while, but, you know, we talk about heart, hustle, and humor here. And there had to have been a reason you wanted to help other businesses grow, particularly around these government contracts. Can you tell us a little bit about what? so exciting for you? Well, what's so exciting for me is, you know, I've coached businesses for a number of years. I've had a coaching practice since 2011. So, you know, 11 years now. And I've consulted with businesses and helped, like you mentioned, you know, large companies, high net worth individuals for years and years and years now. What I really liked about this, and when I met my partner, it's been about five years ago now, when I met my partner and he told me about these federal contracts, you know, I was used to helping clients generate revenue typical ways, okay, through uh, marketing, advertising, beginning to work in social media, doing text marketing campaigns, um, also working with nonprofit organizations, just getting the word out about what they did. This was a new thing to me, okay, that I had not now, granted, I knew about federal contracts, but I didn't know about these no-bid contracts that were a way for small businesses to avoid all the paperwork, expensive consultants, and to get contracts without any competition. Mm. Amazing. Okay. Uh, And without bidding, I just had a conversation with a guy this morning and I said, you know what often happens with bidding situations? You end up 
outbidding or outthinking yourself. Yes. You look at it and you say, I really should to keep my profit margin where it should be. I should bid 100,000, but I really want to get this contract. So maybe I'll bid 80 or 90. And then what if you weren't competing with anyone anyway and you could have gotten it at 100? You just took 10 or 20,000 in that example away from your own profits. Yeah. So the great thing about no bid contracts, they're going to give you the price. They're going to say for $100,000, Here's what we want you to do, and here's when we want it. Okay. If it looks like a contract that you can do on time, you have the staff, it's got a good profit margin for you, you take it. But with federal contracts, as opposed to a lot of state and local contracts, you don't have to accept every contract. The federal mm. government doesn't even mind that because they look at it as we want to work with reliable, good small businesses. And if you turn down a contract, yeah. it kind of tells them that. They're not desperate. Okay. Mm, so sure. consequently, you can almost cherry pick the best contracts. Now, getting your first few is can be a challenge. And yeah. we tell our clients that all the time because you got to establish a relationship. Because as I tell our clients, if you're going to give a job to someone, not going to bid it out, not going to get competitors, I would think you want to get to know them well, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I would think you want to get referred by someone yeah. who knows them and knows the kind of work they do. So the federal government wants to get to know you before they're going to give you a contract mm -hmm. with no competition. Sure. But once you get it and once you start doing a good job, wow, they yeah. start getting, because they're looking for, I mean, 75% of the revenue, well, with no big contracts, but with small businesses in general, 75% of the revenue that's set aside for them with procurement contracts mm -hmm. don't go to small businesses. 75% of the revenue goes to big businesses. Hmm. So, you know, I know from having worked, and I know you guys do as well, having worked with small business as long as I have, right? how they struggle, okay? Mm -hmm. And in the first year, in the first five years, I mean, if you go out 10 years, 4% of businesses that started in year one, day one, are still in business 10 years later. Yeah. Okay. Do you right. think if 75% of about a half a trillion dollars, so what is that, about $375 billion. <laughs> do you think if that money was going to small businesses instead yeah. of the big businesses, do you think a lot of them would be surviving instead of A hundred percent, Ron. A hundred percent. That's so right. That's why I'm passionate about what I do. I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm around businesses all the time. I see them fail. It breaks my heart when they put their time and their treasure into a business and yeah. it doesn't make it. We can't turn them all around at our company. Right. We can make a, a little dent in that and help a number of them. Hey, we've done something good. Let me ask you, because, because I think there's something that you really brought up and it's the relationship building. I think often people assume that no matter where you walk in, if you show up, you automatically have a relationship with people you meet. And in this day and age, it has grown exponentially. We tell people that the relationship building is just as important as your strategy. You can't have one or the other, right? And then, of course, the balance of, of the third part of the, that stool is, is technology. But people need to build these relationships. How do people, when they're looking at this opportunity for contracting, how do they build those relationships? That I mean, the federal government, it sounds so large, but how are you helping people build those relationships? Well, we help them build the relationships in a couple of different ways. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I will say this, I'll just give you, I love a little story or two. So I'll give you a little Of course. Story. Okay. I've done a number of seminars, workshops on relationship building. Okay. And why that's important in business and development, marketing, all those things. Okay. To build relationships. Every time I've done that presentation to a group, 
I'll always ask for, because when folks say what's so important, like you just said, don't you just build a relationship by calling up the first time? And I'll ask for a show of hands. And I'm, I'm not stupid. I always ask the men. OK, I'm not going to ask the women this question. <laughs> I'll say show of hands. How many of you when you met your wife, how many of you are married? So show of hands. And then how many of you when you met your wife proposed to her in the first two minutes that you met her? I love that. No, of course, no one does it. Even if it's love at first sight. That's right. If you did that, your wife would think you're a nut. Okay, (laughs) are you crazy? Get away from me. They run the other direction. You build a relationship. You do the same thing in business. Maybe Mm -hmm. you're not going to ask them to marry you, but in a way, you're going to ask them to do business with you. So that's similar, right? As far as the relationship with the federal agencies, I'll get back to that. We start you off by making sure all of our clients are procurement ready. Okay, Mm -hmm. that's a government Mm -hmm. phrase. Mm -hmm. We like to say show up properly. Okay, Okay. you have your registrations done. Everything is perfect. You have something called a capability statement, which every federal decision maker, if they're thinking of working with you, are going to say, send over your capability statement. We make sure those are perfect. So from the get go, when you start the relationship, if you try to start the relationship and you're not procurement ready, your federal decision maker is going to throw up their hands and say, I can't work with you anyway. You can't be a primary contractor on this contract. So as long as you start off from there, that's the first step. And then what we do for our clients, because I'll just throw some numbers at you. There are about between 25 and 30,000 buyers with the federal government Hmm. across the federal government. Now, end users can also buy directly. They're the folks like the HR director or the facilities manager or whatever the case may be. They can buy directly. Anyone that can buy has the authority to buy something for the federal government is an end user. So they can be a contact for a client of ours or for any business. Okay. So as we tell folks, you know, there's probably 2 million people or more in the federal government that are end users that can buy something. Wow. There's another 25, 30,000 buyers who buy things. Okay. We'll go back to the relationship equation and I'll, you know, give a silly little example. As I tell everyone I talk to, you can't build a relationship, no matter who's told you that in the past, with 30,000 people at a time. Can't do it. Okay. Can't do it. Okay. I'd be tired. I'd be tired, Ron. (laughs) Everyone would be worn out. It's impossible. So what we do for our clients, we narrow it down based on our 15 years of doing this. And then the program's been around. It was developed at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce about 30 years ago. So based on our experience, based on the program, we narrow it down to an initial 45. Mm. Okay. Okay. Buyers end users, and another group called small business specialists. They've become incredibly important over the last year. Okay. Much more authority to make recommendations that the buyer actually follow for using a small business. So those are the three people. So of the 45, they're composed of those three types of people. Then for our clients that choose to do it, and most of them do, we also have a technique for telemarketing Okay, which a lot, most of our clients don't want to do because these folks are not easy to get in touch with. And then we narrow it down to what we call the top 10. Okay, that's mm. your golden ticket. That's your golden list. Those are the people that are going to be most responsive to our clients and what they offer, what they do. And then that's who they're going to focus on for building relationships. And you have to yeah. build the relationships in a certain way because, for example, if you guys are trying to get a big commercial client, right? you might go out, you might take them to dinner, you know, you might do something else, maybe to the theater. That's okay. That's fair game. 
Okay. However, you can't do that with the federal government. You can't right. do that with federal decision right. makers. And that's contrary. We've got to tell our clients when they say, I'd like to send a such and such. No, no. That because <laughs> that would exceed what they can accept as far as outside gifts for the next three years. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. You'll ruin right. the relationship. So we coach them through that whole process of how to communicate with scripts, with templates, all that kind of thing, along with we help them with a schedule, a follow-up or drip campaign, if you want to look at it like that, where every week you're building a relationship a little bit at a time. You're educating them. You're becoming their contact that they can rely on, okay, their source of information. When you get that to the point where they trust you and then ta-da, they know that you're procurement ready and you can be a primary contractor, that's when they give you what I like to call a test contract. Mm-hmm. You'll also hear it called sole source. And then it's also the no bid contracts. But they'll give you what I call a test contract because I look at it as it is a test. They're giving you a test. If you pass the test, you do a good yeah. job, you do it on time, you do it within budget, you'll get another test, just like we did back in school, right? Right, right. Get another one. The next one you get could be a little bit bigger contract. Yeah. Then maybe you'll get two contracts. Then you'll get another bigger contract. Right. All right. So it continues along the, and as long as you do a good job, you keep on and then you become that reliable small business person. Yeah. Eventually will just throw contracts at you. You've made it easy for them, right? I mean, and isn't that what we want to do is when we're dealing with people and building those relationships after, you know, that little one, you do a good job, you do a good job, and then you make it easy for them to hire you again. Now, I will say this word of caution. And we tell everyone this, you're kind of on a probationary period originally. And even if you've been in business 10 years and you've done a lot of work in the commercial field, even state and local, you have not worked with the federal government. So until you get to 300,000, Mm. Still basically on probation with the federal government. Uh, now, interesting. And, yeah, and that's right. some magic number for what they consider that, okay, you've probably done five to 10 contracts at that point. Sure. And we can rely on you. Yeah. But if, and here's my cautionary note, if you make a mistake and you get a bad rating on a contract, you are probably out of federal contracting forever because that's on your record. Sure. If you did a bad job and you don't have this two, three years and millions of dollars of experience on your resume, essentially. So you are probably out. So as I tell everyone for no bid contracts, you're going to get the price, do it within budget. You're going to get the deliverables, provide Mm -hmm. it all. You're going to get the deadline and do a good job. Yeah. You keep getting more work. I love that. And that is so important. And I think before we go into kind of that hustle part, because I think that is where we all get in trouble is we take on too much. But the way you talked about building those relationships, it's like we should build those relationships the same for everyone, no matter who we're going after. You know, the difference is I can take you out for coffee. <laughs> like you and I can go have a cup of coffee, right? right? And we right, can chat. Right. But I liked the way you laid that out. And I think you're also, in a way, kind of demystifying how people get contracts. Because I do believe for years I've been talking to people about these contracts and getting them. And you're sort of demystifying that, how you build that relationship. But let's go into this hustle part, Ron, because you have, you know, you do your work. You are a consultant. You've been doing this. You're really passionate about getting people those businesses. But let's face it, you are a 
family man. You have a son you want to spend time with. I know that you have a, an elderly mother, and and there's a lot of us in that situation, right? As you know, your father just recently passed away. My pops has just recently passed away, and now we take on some responsibility for our moms. And your faith is important to you. You have other events and investments. How do you think people really can balance their life so it goes back to doing a good job when you take on one of these contracts? So how are you doing it? You know, with me, I and this name I'm going to mention, don't hold this against me because when <laughs> I was there, it was like the best firm you could be with. But I came out of a small liberal arts college okay. graduated from, and I had an accounting degree and an econ degree, a double major. All right. I was the first person second person, to go directly from my undergraduate school to work for one of the then big eight accounting firms, Ah. a little firm named Arthur Anderson. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yep. They got in a little trouble a few years back and (laughs) are now no longer around. But but at the time, they were the top I was a tax accountant there. One of the things I learned there that I carried And I thought I was pretty organized in college, but I found out, oh, no, I got a lot of and I can still improve today. But I really, really learned a lot about organizing yourself Mm. because I at the time I was in the the D.C. office, actually, the Tyson's Corner, the high tech growing company, you know, that, that office, satellite office of the Washington office. And I love that. But what I learned while I was there is that I could walk into London's office. I could walk into the office in Paris. You name the country, mm-hmm. Tokyo, wherever the case, Melbourne, Sydney, their tax returns were set up exactly the same. So I literally could work as long as I could read the language. And yeah. most of my mentioned were English. And I learned to kind of these techniques mm-hmm. for if you've got a lot of things going on, I don't know how people don't have lists and whether it's monthly or daily or whatever the case may be, whether you do it electronically, whether you have, you know, uh, a legal pad that you still work with, I actually use, and some of your viewers will go, what, what's that? (laughs) I still use, in spite of the fact I use the electronic things as well, all of them, I still use an old fashioned Franklin planner system. Hey, when it works, it works. (laughs) It works. And I have tried to use yeah. other things, but I, I just cannot get yeah. the information. Like the only thing is it's not computerized. Right. So I've learned to actually have a pretty good memory for, okay, I know that was the first <laughs> part of April. And then I, I've got a very quick scanning ability as well. Find that. Okay. The good thing about owning your own business, if I want to send out some things to prospects at 10 or 11 o'clock at night, they might think it's odd. They're getting things from me at 10 or 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> Right. But I'll send things to him 10 or 11 o'clock at night. But then if it's three o'clock in the afternoon, you mentioned my elderly mom. I do have to do a lot of things and help her in a lot right. of things. So if I have to head out to the bank or call her insurance company or something else to take care of an issue for her, that's okay. I can do it at three o'clock in the afternoon. Right. So flexibility is really important in my schedule. But if you add up my total hours, I work well more than 40. Sure. In a week, I'm sure. sure. But it's a little more casual. And I may put a little bit of time on a Saturday or a Sunday. Mm-hmm. I'm one of those I like to accomplish things and get things done kind of guys. And, you know, that builds into goals as well. But then a lot of it is just like, 
you know, you'll see a typical to-do list. I'll have five personal things. I'll have 15 business things that I've taken care of. I'll have a couple of investments. And then I'll have a couple of friends that I've spent some time with on this phone, or I know they're going through some issues, yeah. or I'll do something like that. Because you got you to gotta have all of that to lead kind of a, a well-rounded life. Well, and I know when you and I talked, you know, you've built some long term, long time friends that are important for you. And and I love that because I think we need to have that in our life. We're the kind of people that like to work, right? Mm -hmm. And so we really need to schedule in time to spend it with friends and family and get us, you know, rejuvenated for different things. And I also like the point that you brought up about you're talking, you can go anywhere in the world and you could manage to do the work because it was similar. And we spend a lot of time at Kaleidoscope Media Services telling people, automate, systematize. Mm -hmm. You can do it and you can do it through technology now that it's so easy. Or if you're, if you like having lists, I have a list. I'm one of those list builders too. I've learned to to make sure I have a focus for the day. So that list doesn't take me off on a, a tangent. And I think you also sort of started to talk about how the world is really starting to go to the virtual learning and we're just touching the surface on how people are going to be learning and doing that. So we're right in the line. And I know that's why Laura had to introduce me to you. I totally, totally agree with that. You know, if you would have told me five years ago that most things I'd be doing today would be virtual, a call (laughs) like this, a video conference call at the time we called it, I'd have said, oh, I don't think so. I love the interface. I love, (laughs) you know, being, uh, you know, as as they used to say in the sales game or sales classes, I like to be belly to belly. (laughs) I like it. Yeah. um, Yeah. You know, I I, I like doing that, but, and I still enjoy doing that. Yeah. Having said that, though, we can have the, you know, our company is a national, and in fact, we have clients that are international. So- Mm -hmm. Prior to us becoming pretty much a virtual company now, my partner Chip used to travel to Denver and rent a hotel room and send invitations out. And he would only be getting businesses from just the Denver area. And then he'd have one, you know, he used to live in Florida. So he'd get one in the Florida area, that kind of thing. But now he and I, I mean, I was just doing some follow-up calls on a roundtable we had yesterday. We had 20 some people there from a particular industry. I mean, it was all over the place from South Carolina to Georgia, to Washington, to California, to Texas, to a couple of them in New England. It was just all over. Now, how many different old workshops would we have had to have done and how many hotel rooms would we have had to have rented to do that in the past? It's just so rich today in meeting all these people and engaging with them. And I I want my listeners to know something. What Ron just said, that is coming from an extrovert. Ron is an extrovert. He loves talking to people and he loves building these long-term relationships. But even he is saying that we have to leverage the opportunity to expand our horizons virtually. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, and I'll put in a little plug for how Laura and I met through C-Suite. Oh, right. Every week in there, we often have people from Australia. We'll have a few people from the UK. We'll have a few people from other countries as well, as well as all over North America. And we'll have, you know, 55, 70, 80, 90 people on there on a particular call. I just find that so interesting, invigorating, you know, to find out how are you guys doing it down under? <laughs> right. 
right. tell me about it, you know? <laughs> you know, there's a guy I've established a relationship with that's on the call that, you know, I love talk because at one, I could just sit and listen to him with an Aussie accent. <laughs> I know. Um, so, and, and of course, he tells me I've got an accent as well. So <laughs> sure. I, I, so anyway, but just a great guy that I've gotten to be friends with there. And, you know, even though as an, ex, as a, as an extrovert like I am, I've always had friends all over the place. But before it was the telephone, I'd spend a lot of time on the telephone yeah. talking. And I still do that. But now I get to see someone. It's not <laughs> yeah. the same as being right face to face. But when you realize how you can leverage your time, and that's incredibly what you were talking about before with automating and putting systems in place and using the technology. So, 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 so important. Yeah. And I know that you like to have fun. And your biggest thing is when it comes to the laughing or the humor is it's about putting a smile on someone's face. Mm -hmm. So absolutely, why is that important for you? You know, I've just, I've always been like that. I mean, yeah. if you go all the way back, I can still remember in grade school. I was never the one that got in trouble. I was usually the one that was usually didn't get in trouble, <laughs> but I still like to make people laugh. Yeah. Okay. I remember, you know, when you were back in school and you didn't, you weren't really very smooth in the third, fourth, fifth grade, right? <laughs> um, and, and well, Ron, you might have thought you were a little smoother. Mm, now looking back, maybe not. <laughs> no, no, no. It definitely, I was not smooth. There's no question about it. So, but I can remember that was the way if there was, you know, like a little girl that I was interested in talking yeah. to and getting to know, the best way to break the ice was to make her laugh. Everyone <laughs> likes to laugh. Yes. Okay. And usually even friends I have, you know, they'll tell me years later, what attracted me to you initially was that you had a smile on your face almost all the time. And you made me laugh. You made yeah. other people laugh. It was fun to be around you. And, you know, if I can hear that, you know, I'm quite satisfied. Just I enjoy doing that. I enjoy seeing other people. I mean, maybe that's why I worked for nonprofits for a while as well. Sure. Because, yeah. you know, I was able to raise a lot, a lot of money for some big charities and some small charities. And when you go out, and I used to go out to see the programs from time to time, not just to see the donors, but to see the programs and take sure. them on tours. Like, for example, we had an after-school program at one of the charities I was with in New Orleans. And, and I actually said that, I think, correctly, uh, the way someone from New Orleans would say it. <laughs> I think they would actually say New Orleans. But yeah. anyway, anyway, anyway. But um, I was corrected on that a couple of times. Yeah, so. I'm sure but, you are. But yeah. anyway, we had an after-school program that, you know, the guy that ran it was just incredible. He was a former Major League Baseball pitcher. Okay, just a great guy. And when I met the kids, I was in tears just listening uh, to their stories yeah. about how it yep. took them out of, you know, they weren't getting in trouble. They were getting good grades. My friend just got a college scholarship on and on and on. And that just warmed my heart. And I remember yeah. I turned and this guy was great anyway, but I remember turning to him at the end of this tour where I'm like, yeah, constantly rubbing my eyes and wiping tears away. And I said, Joe, your job is so easy. If you bring people in here, donors for yeah. a visit, how are they going to say no to giving you right? money to further this program? So yeah. it just makes me feel good. That emotional part, right? And, and it's just so important that we give back. So important. I love that. And, you know, as always, our time comes to a conclusion, but this has been just an amazing conversation with you. What is that last little bit of a nugget that you want to leave my listeners with if they're thinking about going into or, or investigating this federal contracting? What's that last little bit you want to leave them with? Well, I would say something you mentioned before about where well, there's a lot of, and we call them federal contracting myths, okay? Mm. 
or misinformation, whichever yeah. you prefer. Okay. And what I like to tell everyone is like, you know, if you're interested in doing it or you see the potential or you think there might be potential, just learn more. I mean, our objective with our company is not trying to bring in 10,000 clients in the next few months. Mm -hmm. It's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring in serious businesses who see this as a great possibility to grow their business with another revenue source that they may not have considered. Just check it out. We offer a two-hour masterclass for folks Mm -hmm. that is a wonderful way to get all the facts, see if it fits into your business. If at the end of it, you tell me, Ron, I'm not interested. I don't think this is a fit. I'm going to stay with commercial. That's okay. Sure. All right. We'll part friends. <laughs> um, but then if you think it is good enough and you say, well, you know, you've got this seven-step method for building these relationships and getting contracts. How do I find out more about that? you got a second step. Come to that. And then you still are not committed to our full program. You can say, ah, Ron, I don't want to do those seven things. That's all right, too. (laughs) And I mean, you know, like I said, we're not trying to get 100,000 clients in a few months. We're not trying. That's not our objective. But the ones we have are serious about growing their business and see how they can do it with federal contracts. So quite frankly, that's what we're trying to do. Just get the word out and just kind of tell people that go, no big contracts. What's that about? Come and learn more about it. We've got a couple of really good ways that you can learn more about it. And if it's a good fit, great. If it's not a good fit, that's okay too. And Ron, where do they get to go to find out about that masterclass? Because I think that is a brilliant idea for my listeners. Just go get on that masterclass, learn, and then start investigating to see where it is. So how do they sign up? How do they get to find you? Our website is www.fedprofits.com. No spaces, no hyphens, nothing like that. You'll find all the things in there, including our top 40 industries. So you can even see, okay, do I think, and quite frankly, unless uh, this is one of my sayings, I love these little cliches, but here they are. I can tell you in about 30 seconds what the federal government doesn't buy. Ah. It would take me 30 hours probably talking nonstop. And I'm estimating because it's a total waste of time, so I wouldn't do this. (laughs) But it would take me 30 hours or more talking continuously to tell you what they do buy. So most likely, (laughs) even if you go on there, I want you to go on because that takes care of of our top people. But there'll even be folks that will say, you mean there's no contracts for me? I'll take a look under what's called their NAS code for the type of industry they're in. I'll take a look at their NAS code and I said, well, there, was only, there were only 5,000 of those contracts last year. Do you think there could be a few for you? Okay. That's really important. So go to our website, check it out. You'll see the master classes on there. You'll see the workshops on there. In addition, we have another website for our second company, the CBI, Center for Business Innovation. That website is www.supercharge.com. Profits. I like that name. I love you know, it. I was Super working with Charge Profits. There yeah, you go. And I said, you got to think of a jazzy kind of name that, you know, is really going to catch people. And everyone loves Supercharged Profits. So, right. so yeah, Supercharged, no D on charge and an S on profits. Supercharged Profits, we have the same list of classes there. We just talk about some other services Super. we offer besides the no bid contracts. But yeah, check us out there. Um, and, uh, you know, you can find me. I'm easy to find. I had someone the other day say, how can I find out about this or that or the other? I said, now, I've just done a lot of like podcasts and seminars and things like that. I said, if you Google me, if you look me up on LinkedIn, you'll find a whole bunch of stuff. I said, <laughs> I can't hide. 
The <laughs> FBI right. would be able to find me very, very easily <laughs> if they ever looked for me. Yeah, I know. It's just like, put our names in and we'll pop up somewhere for sure. I don't worry about that privacy thing now because, yeah. okay, that was done long ago. That's, so that's over. That's I over. want people to know about me now. Yeah. <laughs> that's, we're in the marketing business, okay? Yeah. I want people to know about me. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, this has been Ron Embach in studio. Ron, thank you for this great information. We're going to make sure in the show notes, your contact information is in there so people know how to get a hold of you. I really recommend for anybody who is just like curious or are thinking about these contracts, get in that masterclass, learn, because learning, you will still learn other things about how to run your business and how to build relationships. So take advantage of this, take advantage of Ron's expertise. Ron, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you so much. And to all your your listeners, make an educated, informed decision. Don't go on the myths and misinformation. I think that's a good rule of life in a lot of ways. I, I agree. All righty. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. And with that, until next time, hashtag dream hire. Are you a professional looking to take your business to the next level? If the answer is yes, then I want you to go to kaleidoscopemediaservices.com. Check it out. And if you feel you are ready, then set up a time to talk to me and my co-founder, Laura Neubauer. I'm your host, Dr. T. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave us a review and share this podcast with your friends.